Brandon Kelly, welcome to Bootstrap FM, the post-apocalypse edition. <laughs> <laughs> it's I I am excited to be here for this uh, this particular episode. Yeah, <laughs> exciting. I love it. <clears throat> Got to clear out disk space. I think I think most of our listeners are on our bandwagon with uh, this whole thing. Not that we need to get uh, too deep into the politics, but I'm done. I'm done talking about this. I can't. I can't. Yeah. It's toxic. <laughs> it's too it's too sad. It's toxic. Yeah, I, I had no idea, guys, were uh, fellow Trump supporters. Yeah, <laughs> it's so clear by your Twitter feed. It's, it's so it's so sad. I used to love Trump. It's right there oh, with man, the I'm like, with her hashtag in your profile. Come on, you know, like okay. Fifteen I, years I ago, theory. Trump was awesome. I have a theory. I'm not going to get into it publicly uh, because it's dangerous and because he's definitely done enough damage to date uh, that it doesn't matter. But I think I think that like the liberal uh, cool Trump is still in there. I think that I like I yeah. think that everything we've seen for the last year is him speaking to an audience that he thinks will vote for him versus the audience that wouldn't have. Yeah, uh, that's smart. I kind of I and, kind of and I think we're already seeing some signs that that. You know, he's he's yeah. not really as crazy as but at the same time we're also seeing other signs like uh like his chief strategist pick. So I don't know. Like, Who knows? We'll I'm we'll sure we'll have happens. stuff we don't like happen and it's like I'm pretty much at the point of like if we could avoid nuclear war and like the total degradation of like the free press and freedom of speech and stuff, that if we like get through this without that stuff happening, that pretty much everything else I can almost live with. So like I like to imagine that it'll be horrible, but I like to imagine that his first meeting with Obama was like he took him somewhere where the cameras couldn't see him. He's like, look, dude, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I've been a Democrat <laughs> for like 50 years. If you could help me out, I'll make sure well, I won't go did too you, wrong. Did you, read the, did you read the article about like apparently how like his staff didn't realize that they need to fill the entire West Wing? Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. It is kind of amazing. <laughs> So the Barack uh, yeah, Society yeah. is going to spend more time uh, getting him caught up to speed than 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 is traditionally the case. Yeah, well, all I've been doing well, for the past I guess week that's better is better than not. Yeah, I've been sending my wife photos of that uh, official uh, Barack Obama photographer took. He took like four point two million photos or something. Yeah, that guy. He took some great photos. Yeah, I've been sending yeah. those to my wife. Those are great. I miss Barack Obama. I really <laughs> miss so him. No, no. Doesn't. It will be interesting. There's one little part of it that it'll be nice to see, even though a lot of it's going to probably go against things I would be in favor of, which is just for something to be happening. I do think people will be excited by that because, you, you know, nothing's been happening. You know, it's been so obstructionist, which is exactly what they want you to feel like, right? So it's horrible to feel that way. But it, I think there is an element of that where, like, somebody's doing something and that's kind of what people are voting for and they don't care what he said about anything else, yeah. you know? Yeah, so. they just need some. they just need something to change. Yeah. And that was and, the thing. Like, I think I was talking to um, talking to my friend. Uh, I'm totally drawing blank his name, but he's like kind of connected to the Democratic, uh, the the DRC, DNC, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And he said, like, it, he like there's a lot of internal strife right now because they apparently did everything they could to clear the way for for Hillary this year. Yeah. No. And usually there would be like a lot more potential. Options. Right. So basically, like it was like Hillary and Bernie, whereas usually there'd be like five or something. Yeah, uh, and they actually like it. just like they just like said no to a ton of people that wanted to run or did everything they could to, to convince them to run next year or something or next yeah, in four years instead. And the problem is that they basically like had someone that was uh, qualified and then someone that was 
pretty much unelectable because they weren't actually a Democrat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so basically, like it was uh, the appearance of choice, but in reality, it wasn't. Uh, and they picked as as the they anti. They picked the anti Jeb Bush candidate, but then you go up against Jeb Bush, and she's yeah. totally the wrong candidate to go yeah, against Trump really and what he was bringing. You know, and, the, and so. I guess like the I guess that the main criticism right now within the DNC is that um, if they had done more traditionally, like pick you know like allow a, f- a few more people to run, yeah. then they would have uh, gotten the message loud and clear right up front that people are favoring someone that's that's wanting to change the status quo a little bit yeah. more, uh, yeah. rather than just going with someone that's safe. Um, and like they did get that message with Bernie, but by the time that that message was read loud and clear, it was too late because they they did really didn't want Bernie. Yeah, I don't think so, Bernie would have won. I don't think Bernie would have won against Trump. Yeah, against Trump. I, I yeah, don't I don't think so either. But I think that like he did like his his the 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 uh, enthusiasm around him was definitely well, sending a sign. Like because that was that was the same enthusiasm that was surrounding Trump. You know, people want yeah. someone that's going to change things. Uh, someone that doesn't represent the traditional mold. So on the flip side, if we can avoid total horrible disaster. Uh, you need to have like both parties have their day in the sun because that's what also gets people. And you know, you're gonna have eight years of Trump, and then people are gonna be like, "This freaking sucks. We hate X, Y, Z things he did." You know, that's how you get motivated. And if you have the one party in power too long, it does sometimes get. You know, yeah. it's hard to make that. It's hard to build up that enthusiasm because people are like, "Yeah, whatever. It's kind of been this way. Whatever. It's what is. You know, it's just, it's just you don't get that." Yeah, you've, you've had eight years of of like a very liberal agenda and blah blah blah, and people. Right feel like their their voices aren't being heard that you know, whatever yeah you yeah. need to be on the other side of that a little bit as long as he doesn't do things that are completely horrible so I, if i could just <laughs> if i could just interject for a second i would just like to say that i immediately regret my decision for starting this conversation in this episode and i apologize <laughs> to all the bootstrap fm listeners oh no we're not are bad. we actually recording right now no 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 we're not all right yes we i are. assume i assume this is just the like, like let's get some this venting out of the way before yeah, we yeah, i hit the record button as soon as we get well, it is it is it is is recorded but then we're not putting it in the show of course they, yeah. don't put it in that show they put it in the show um it's in the show yeah. <laughs> so this, is the, this is what we use for uh this is our uh you know our blackmail stuff on brandon for when yeah. trump's people come yeah. and look for dirt I'll, I'll try and refrain to uh, talking about what i do with women when i'm not uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so listen <laughs> all right all right brandon kelly is here from right, we do that again we gotta do that again we gotta, we're talking over each other we gotta take a breath okay, okay, the show. okay. I'm not. Right, I'm staying in the show. That's six minutes. No, no. Oh, beautiful guys, dialogue. Do you guys want me to no. click record on my end too? No, it's fine. Nah, who don't do that? Yeah. Uh, this will be, this will be the show where it doesn't work, but it's never not worked. Knock on wood. All right, ready, set, go, go, Butov. No, we already had a beginning and an intro and a whole conversation. I'm not letting it go. Six minutes in, it's keeping going. It's staying in. <laughs> Brandon Kelly is here from Pixel and Tonic at Craft CMS. Brandon, you know what? I have a domain for a yet-to-be-decided product and or service that was inspired by your domain. I bought, uh, what, what was it again? I bought bitsandtonic.com. Bits and Tonic? Yeah. I have no idea what it's for. It's but a horrible I really domain, Andrew. <laughs> I really yeah, that's like a horrible it. domain, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. You know what? What ifs? It's mine. Here's what we should do. We're not even going to talk to Brandon. Brandon's just going to open up his Hover.com account or Namecheap, whatever he uses. I'll open mine. Butov, you open yours. An hour of just us going through our domain names like and reading that, all that, the sad that's things. That's not that are in nearly there. enough, and you know it. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't say any of uh, or some of mine publicly. <laughs> not in good taste. 
Well, you got to pick out. Yeah, obviously, we're gonna have to censor some of these. Yeah. But uh, well, it's one of the ones that you just lament. You're like, you were so excited about that domain, you know, and it's like you put down that that dot io, you threw down that forty bucks, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna use this. It's gonna be awesome, and uh, that's it. it. Literally doesn't go a step beyond that ever. So yeah, I I, uh, I had a whole thing. Uh, I was gonna do like this whole like IE six thing back in the day when when IE six was horrible, and that was part of everyone's daily lives as web developers, um, and never went anywhere with it. I don't remember what the domain was though, but something about like the devils in the details or something like that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, there's never time for those things. No, it's, it's how many let expire. That's the real measure. Yeah. I've been big on that lately. I've been queuing them up to expire left and right. Now, ya- Yahoo, where you can't figure out how to renew them, doesn't count. Yeah, Yahoo. Well, no, Yahoo. They were automatically renewing at thirty-five dollars <laughs> a year for yeah. and. Their service like didn't even work, so you couldn't you couldn't get out of them. And this is how long ago I bought these domains. I didn't even yeah. know Yahoo was a domain registrar. Yeah, yeah. Yahoo small, yeah, small it's like under their small business thing. It was like a whole like that's where I got a bunch of domains back in early two thousands or something. Yep. And some of them were important. Like I had userscape.com there. Yep. Um, you know, so I had some like actual really important domains there. And uh, yeah, and then they were just auto renewing at thirty five dollars. The unimportant ones, and there was you literally couldn't get out of it. Like the the servers were broken, and there's no support. So Network Solution wow. has my company name and my personal domain, the two oldest ones I own, and blackmailing me at like forty five dollars a year. Now, right. <laughs> who was that? Network Network, Network Solutions? Solutions. Yeah, they're the ones. They're the ones who were like blackmailing people before they even bought. Where. Uh, like when you searched for a domain, they would register it and then they would you know, have like a hold on it for like, you know, and, and charge you 50 bucks oh, knowing that you wanted it. That's I like, always thought that'd be a good idea. That's, that, that's like <laughs> paranoia level of. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the sort of thing. Like, I'm not going to search it. You just buy the domain ahead of people. And you like, know, right. Yeah, you know they want it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I don't know. I wonder how that works if you're like the registrar. Like, do you have to pay somebody else or can you just say, oh, I'm reserving this and it's special? I, I, and think, it's 50 no, I think they were able to do it just like for free on their part. I don't think there was a cost. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just a temporary thing. Like, I think they would just, they would unlock it and can't like release it saying, oh, the, the buyer decided not to buy it. Right. Uh, I don't, I don't know the details, but yeah, they, they got under like a ton of backlash uh, maybe five years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. That yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, they were huge back in the day, and probably one of those like uh, revenues are going down. Let's uh, let's find some way to add forty bucks to each domain sale here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people are, are guys, paying it. Who right? are you guys using now? Then I'm on Nam- um, Namecheap, and you're on yeah, the me new too. one, right? Uh, Namecheap is so like, that new. Ever since they got that new UI, though, it's so horrible in there. It's it's brutal. So I don't know. Right now, now I'm on to hover. Ian, I haven't Ian would pay but. a premium for anything with a good UI. Yeah. Well, at least the like. I, listen, I don't care about good. I use tons of apps with not great UIs. It's just that that's the work. Like the Namecheap <laughs> one, very often literally doesn't work. Like but, does, you can't if, find something in it. It's if, like if ah, you're coming from if you're coming through a bunch of domains from na- uh, Network Solutions and GoDaddy, Namecheap is like heaven. Hey, I don't know. GoDaddy's UI is not so bad. It's like once you got to filter through all the crap in there, it's horrible. Because obviously, I have some domains at uh, GoDaddy, of course, and uh, but they're like. They're probably in some ways the best for mass editing and things. Like they have the whole grid, like it's just a spreadsheet looking thing, and it's like I can get behind that thing. Nah. It's all right. Nah. I hate. I mean, GoDaddy's not good, but nah. I, someday, someday, and I don't know. This day may never come, as I say in The Godfather. I want to get all my domains in one spot, but 
gonna be damn it's like, hard. It's like getting everything in your DVD collection and like a month before Blu-rays come out, and then you got to do it all over again. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you get them all on uh, on iTunes, and then yes. uh, you find out that you really want Plex, and that's not iTunes compatible. Right? Yeah, I bought a lot of movies on iTunes, and now I'm like, oh, this stinks because. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to use Amazon because I start buying stuff on Amazon, but you can't get you can't see the Amazon stuff on Apple TV. So now I gotta have an Amazon thing, and I gotta have an iTunes thing, and the whole thing's a mess. Brandon, Brandon, what have you been up to? Uh, with- absolutely nothing. There's <laughs> all right, cool. Continue <laughs> with the movie conversation. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing going on at all right now. See, this this is perfect. Uh, this is this is a bootstrap type episode. We gotta start. We gotta start soft. We can't go right into the heavy heavy lifting of business topics. That's ridiculous. Nobody would like that. Yeah. Um, hold on, but th- so yeah, just a fa- I have another movie related. Qu- another movie related question. So now, Brandon, <laughs> how old are your kids? I've got an eight month old. A yes. two and a half year old and a five year old. Okay, so that's I was wondering. The, the oldest is five. So yeah. So are you infuriated yet that they don't understand TV shows from movies? Because it make I, I get like viscerally angry at them. I'm just so what, do you, mad. what do you mean by that? Oh, you mean like quote like references? Yeah, no, no. That they don't understand like the the difference between they're watching like Dora the Explorer. It's a TV show. And oh yeah, she, know, my, yeah, yeah, my five year old. My five year old yesterday was like, uh, let's let's watch Hallelujah. Uh, referring to listening to the song Hallelujah. Uh, yeah, my kid doesn't. So and so she, uh, yeah, so she, she doesn't yet, she doesn't understand the difference between a song and a anything visual yet. So, <laughs> so it's all just digital. To them. I'm, I'm like, very what? curious when it's gonna when it's gonna happen. Like when those when those subtleties of, of different types of media um, become more clear. I think it's, it's like uh, you know it's like it's like uh, I was reading the other day this article about how. Um, when you know in in various civilizations like the the color blue is the last one that they that actually gets a name mm-hmm. uh you know just because it's like so ubiquitous and it's not like a thing it's just like the sky and it's like, it's basically like like you have to get to a really distant spot in society like in evolution uh the evolution of a society before like they come up with a name for the color blue i feel like it's the same kind of thing here it's just like <laughs> i don't know it's like you have to get to a certain point where you've had enough of these different types of things and you start to like recognize these subtleties before you actually understand that, that the, these are distinct types of media. We have a, I don't know. We had a different issue. I had a tough time explaining to my four-year-old like why he can't have any song he wants whenever he wants it on a car radio. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Although now I, I always make sure to Bluetooth now, yeah, so now they kind of can. Spotify. Yeah. yeah, but when I'm driving and like something is on and it's like, I want to hear it again. And I'm like, I, have, I can't I stop. And- my, my kids know that they can listen to whatever they want, whenever they want in whatever car they're in. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I have to BS them because I, I don't want to listen to. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to hear that again for the hundredth time. This week, Bootstrapped is sponsored by Linode. Um, if you're looking for virtual machine hosting, I definitely ought to check out Linode. They have eight data centers. Um, all the plan, the base plan starts at two gigabytes of RAM, and it goes up from there into very large servers. Really straightforward pricing, 10 bucks a month um, to start. And that's actually built hourly. So if you want to spin up a, a server just to play around with a side project and spin it back down, you're only going to pay uh, you know, for the fraction of, of time you used on that. Um, they recently switched uh, from Zen to KVM and have seen you know, 300% performance increases uh, with the servers uh, we use at Userscape. 
um, run on Linode, and we did that conversion, and it's amazing. We were able to actually lower uh, the size of many of our servers down to just the base two gigabyte server because they're just ridiculously fast now. So that's really been awesome. It's all uh, 40 gig uh, network. It's all modern Intel processors. It's all native SSD storage, 24-7, 365 support, uh, seven-day money-back guarantee if you don't like it, which I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, again, I've been hosted there for I don't even know how long, five years or more, um, with about 10 servers. Andre uses it as well. Uh, so definitely, definitely highly recommend Linode. Um, and uh, they've actually given us a, an offer code, bootstrapped20. So if you use that code, you'll get 20 bucks off um, when you sign up for an account in Linode. So basically, uh, you can get your first two months for free. Uh, or even if you're only using it for partial months, it could be last you longer than that, obviously. So definitely check that out. Offer code bootstrapped20. And we'll have that in the show notes uh, as well as a link right to that, that that applies a discount for you. So go ahead and just check it out in the show notes. Click on it. Um, our big, big thanks to Linode for always being a huge supporter of the show. And uh, I really can't highly recommend them enough. We use them for uh, everything at Userscape. And uh, it's been been rock solid. So thanks a lot to Linode for sponsoring the show. Uh, let's get let's get on <laughs> to the real terrible. topic, which is how uh, Eastern Time is the one true time zone. Let's go from there. <laughs> right? Don't you think so? Where's uh, uh, Brad, who works with you? He he's in the office with you, though, right? You guys yes. are together. He he's in the office and, and also sharing Pacific time with me. Wow, that's horrible. And Leslie, and Leslie. all three of us, all three of us are committed to Pacific time. Now, who? Uh, so, is that every all the full timers, or is there more full timers now? No, we got three others. They're around the world. We've got a guy in Latvia, uh, soon to be Russia, and uh, a guy right. in Australia, <laughs> and a guy in France. Wait, 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 wait! Stop, stop, stop! We asked this. I asked this to I think Rachel, Andrew of Perch when mm-hmm. she was on. Right? CMSs are like bug trackers. You're not supposed to be able to run the company by selling one. So, how is this happening that you got all these? Wait, wait, what do you mean? Guys? You know how bug trackers are these uh, ideal programmer applications you want to build when everybody wants to build one, but nobody's able to make money off of it except maybe okay. Spolsky or something. CMS is traditionally like that, right? You got a thousand free ones, and mm-hmm. you're not really supposed to be able to sell one and run a viable company on it. But you're doing yeah. just fine. So what's the we secret? Are. What's the secret? What's the secret? Um, <laughs> this is the big question. What's yeah, the that's, a good, that's a good one. Um Honestly, like I, it, it's awkward. It totally is awkward because. You, hold on, before before you answer the, that question, do you agree with the premise? Because I don't know if I agree with the premise of Andre's question, but do you agree with the premise? I think that whether I agree with it or not is kind of irrelevant. I think that the that ninety nine point nine percent of web developers think that that's the case, so it becomes <laughs> the case. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that's probably what Rachel was going for. Uh, it's it's just. Uh, it's expected that that you're going to get this for free, um, and so anyone that's trying to charge for it, like there's there's a lot of potential customers that just have a knee jerk reaction to like, nope, not going to pay for that. Look right. to the next one, you know, find find the first one they like that isn't going to charge them any money. Um, I you know I don't know, like I think like we're we're targeting people that um, you know have to be okay. Like it's more than just coming up with like the money to pay for a license. It's also coming up with the time to learn it. Um, and I think that's, that's a harder uh, hill to climb. 
you have to like find yeah. people that like have the resources, the bandwidth to learn something new and to uh, find a project where the client is okay with or comfortable with them using something they've never used before, uh, and with enough like extra padding in the budget so that like when they screw up or have to rewrite things because they were going about the wrong way or whatever it is, uh, that they can they can make those course corrections. Um, so I mean, to us, like like if you're if you're if you're going to turn away at a $300 price point, you're probably also going to be turned away by one of those other things as well. Like you're just like, like the stars aren't going to align for you in other ways as well. So yeah. um, I don't know if we've necessarily lost a lot of potential customers by having a, by having a price point. Uh, we've just lost them at a different stage than we would have lost them otherwise. Um, well, and I think a lot of these, like there's, there's CMSs, okay, like CMS, which is everything, right? Like blog systems and whatever, right. all this stuff. And then, but then there's most of the, most of the paid ones, I feel like, um, tend to be like, yeah, like they're more focused on a higher level type engagements. Many of them, like I believe craft, right? Have, don't have a front end by default, like you have to build, like it's just, this is just a back end and a structure, but it's, there is no website per se. There's no templates. Like right. when you first yeah, install it's not, it. a, it's not a consumer product. It's we're going right. after professionals. We're going after like agencies that are building uh, website after website after website uh, and who are, who would actually benefit from having a tool that enables them to do that quicker. Yeah. You know, um, where like an extra learning curve is okay because they know they're going to make it up in the long run. Yeah. Are you satisfied, Andre? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Interview over. Um, all right. So what about, um, uh, cause now I'm interested in this. Let's go back to the employees for a second here. So, uh, what are, tell me what everybody does. Uh, okay. We've got, uh, Andrus is in Latvia and he does a lot of the asset related stuff like images and all that kind of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably half his time goes toward like fixing animated gift bugs. Uh, <laughs> and then we have um, Ben, Benjamin David in France and he's, he's kind of our UI guy nowadays. Mm -hmm. So he did a lot of the redesign stuff for craft 2.5, which came out a year ago uh, and, and other things. Um, and then there's Brad, who's here in, in Oregon with me. Uh, he's kind of the CTO, we call him, but he's, you know, he's got a hand in everything. Uh, does a lot of the, um, uh, like, kind of grunt work type stuff, or, or maybe, like, the under-the-hood type stuff, like, uh, like he's working on, you know, adding Postgres support right now. And uh, ah. did, he did, like, auto-updating functionality and all that, you know, those kind of things that, like, right. just require a lot of, like, moving parts and stuff like that. The, the ugly uh, stuff. Yeah. And then um, about a year ago, year and a half ago, I guess now, we hired Luke in Australia and he's, we, we hired him and acquired a commerce plugin he was working on. Uh, and so we kind of acquired the plugin and hired him to be the lead developer on it. So that's what he does. Mm. Um, and then, and then there's me and I just kind of wear all the hats and do all the things. So right. we're familiar with yeah. that, that part. Um, yes. That's wild. So now with these overseas people, how did, how, especially the ones you, not the aqua hire so much, but the other ones, like where did you find them within the community? Um, and how does that work in general? Cause I'm kind of fascinated by that whole idea. Yeah. Um, it's a different story for every, every one of us. Um, for, for Brad, like we had, uh, worked together previously before I started pixel and tonic and we were actually working on the side on this new tool that, um, 
that we wanted to launch together while he was working at his company and I was working at my company. Uh, and then eventually when I started Pixel and Sonic and had the revenue, uh, hired him like, and you know, the pitch was like, Hey, we could do this full time now if you would come work for me. Um, right. and we spent like a year on that and then it didn't go anywhere and start working on craft instead. Um, but that's kind of the story there. And then, um, Andrus, we got on stack exchange careers, which, wow. uh, we had tried, tried other career sites before. Um, but had enormous success with Stack Exchange careers. So I don't know yeah. if you guys uh, have ever checked that out, but like we got like a hundred applications and they were all amazing. Wow. Uh, and they were all like, you know, like the way that it works is it like targets the, the job app to people that it determines by its algorithm are actually qualified based on your requirements. Like you mm. say, you need you know, experience in this language and different things like that. And, you know, it finds people that actually have reputation in those, in those, uh, you know, hashtags, uh, and um, and he Spolsky. was Spolsky. Damn Spolsky! Yeah, the guy's amazing. So <laughs> yeah, uh, and Andrus like actually communicated the best out of everyone, and and seemed to fit in the most. And right. um, and we had no idea until after we were pretty far down the thing that he was not even American. He was like out in like uh, in Latvia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, apparently they're doing something with their English classes that we aren't here. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, and then. Um, Ben and Ben and Luke both came from the community, so they both uh, were doing plugin stuff, and and we were already kind of getting to know them pretty well, and uh, happened to be doing something that fit the need of what we wanted to do, so we just hired them. And then Leslie, Leslie, uh, I, I totally forgot to mention him earlier. He's our chief customer officer, uh, and we, uh, he's the former CEO and president of Ellis Lab, who makes Expression Engine, um, and he's doing like kind of customer success stuff for us, and just general kind of biz dev and and uh, admin type stuff for us. Cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how many hats everybody has to wear in a little, little company. Yeah, and and it's, I don't know, like it's, uh, you have to be, you have to be comfortable with that, I think. Like, that's why there's so many people that, you know, they're really good at the one thing and they think, oh, I can do this full time uh, and try and make a company around it and don't succeed. You know, yeah. you just, you need to be, excited about wearing lots of hats to do it because there's just so much involved in so many more things than just coding. Yeah. You got to be excited about stuff other than coding or else it's, yeah. it's harder. It can still, you know, occasionally like somebody pops up and it works or whatever. Cause they're, you know, they got some unique angle or whatever on it. But, uh, but yeah, it's really hard if you're not interested in the other bits. Cause that's like yeah. 90, 90% of the job is everything else but the code. So, right. So for me, like I'm definitely not great at everything, but, um, like I really enjoy coding and I also really enjoy marketing. Uh, like I like strategizing around that kind of stuff. Um, and so I think that helped me a lot. It was just like having like being, having kind of a natural, uh, enjoyment of doing that kind of thing. So how does the marketing for, uh, 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 craft look like? And if you could tie that into how like it all started, I don't know the story. I don't know. Ian probably does, but like I never heard the story of Kraft and Pixel and Chronic, So if you could tell us that, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, we um we started as like a side thing for me. Um, I was doing add-ons for Expression Engine, uh, and got to the point where I was selling enough on the side with those that that I could quit my job and and do it full time. So I did. Uh, and that's that's when Pixel and Tonic came about. Before then, it was just my own my own name, uh, and uh, and then maybe about a year after that, um, 
we started working on craft. Basically, like a lot of that came out of um, this is like an actual company now. This like it's soon, like the night the day that I started the company uh, and no longer no longer had the had the day to day job paycheck uh, coming in. Uh, I just like got this weird like 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 evolved sense of like I need to be more responsible now. Uh, I naturally started waking <laughs> up at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. every day uh, without an alarm <laughs> clock or anything. Um, and I think just right off the bat, like started looking at Ellis Lab a lot more critically uh, because now all of a sudden, like I was doing this company thing where all my eggs were in that one basket. And I yeah. think that was, you know, d- regardless of like their performance, like that fact that like all my eggs were in this one basket in this, you know, for this company that I had no control over, uh, I could influence slightly, but, but had ultimately very little control, uh, just like didn't settle with me. Uh, and so I felt like I needed to do something that, uh, that put us in a little bit more control over our destiny and where, whether the company would still be around in 10 years or not. So. Yeah, well, whenever you're a plug-in, de- you know, f- plug-in developer for a small company's product too, that's mm-hmm. it's always a little bit of a scary situation because you could definitely be put out of business just oh totally instantly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, it was like you know maybe a year in, we we saw uh, we saw the trends like the the revenue was going down, uh, and we tied that down. We tied that to like a descending user base, not to anything that was our own fault. You know. Yeah. Uh, and when, when you consider that when like you're, when you've kind of saturated a market and the market's shrinking, then there's no growth potential. And, um, you know, that wasn't, I hadn't reached the, uh, the climax of where I wanted pixel and tonic to go. So I wasn't, I wasn't happy about that. So anyways, yeah. So we started working on craft, uh, and that started, I think in 2000 and, 11 early 2011 and then we actually released 1.0 in 2013 and uh wow it's been that long already Jeez. i know it's been, it's been over three years now holy so, cow. crazy um and uh yeah that about a year later now we're on the cusp of releasing 3.0 so so how did, how did the marketing for that look like like what you do to build up the customers yeah. when you first released it um a lot of it was just like talking to existing customers like the nice thing about launching craft was we already had a huge following in you know uh in the expression engine community mm-hmm. uh so that was kind of the the initial launching launching point um was just talking to them and you know we were solving like with craft we were solving a lot of problems that we knew those same people had uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the core functionality of craft came out of like things we wanted to do with plugins, but couldn't because we didn't have full control over this, over the platform. Um, and so, so we knew, you know, we already had a, a big following in, uh, a, sh- a market base that would be, uh, shared with craft and, and we knew some of the pain points and knew that we were solving those. Um, and then once it, once it got out and, you know, started, started getting a little momentum, uh, you know, we've been strategic about uh, a couple different, you know, online advertisement type stuff. Like we're on the deck network. Um, we've really? sponsored sponsored a list apart, uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then sponsored different various events. Uh, you know, we're we're big proponents of peers. Uh, and then right. uh, the last couple of years, we've done this thing called Design and Content Conference in Vancouver. Um, you know, just stuff like that. Like we try and find opportunities where we know there's already like some segment of the user base that's using craft and can kind of help uh, bolster whatever message we bring uh, or validate it in some in some way. Um, and uh, yeah, 
we're not, we're definitely not taking, we're definitely, we don't have like a marketing department and it's definitely still a side thing for me. Um, but a lot of it's, and a lot of it comes, just comes down to just like strategizing about how we talk about ourselves. Um, you know, like we, we spent, I spent a year going back and forth trying to figure out like what the homepage should say. Cause I wasn't right. really happy with the homepage <laughs> and finally, like after a year, finally figured out, okay, this is what it should be. Uh, you know, but like that kind of stuff, even though it's not advertising, it's still definitely marketing. Uh, and oh, it's yeah. like, you know, like that kind of thing can be insanely difficult for a CMS because we have to talk to the developer and their end users who are, you know, going to do a little due diligence when the agency says we want to use craft, they want to go check it out. So we right. have to make sure that we're speaking to like all these different people that have different backgrounds and different, different, uh, different priorities. Yeah. It's got to like be explained enough to be sensible to the end, uh, sort of buyers, but then have the more technical stuff that, or details and features and things that the actual people selecting the platform want to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a, there's so many of these B2B products are like that, like definitely help spots like that in a lot of ways, but that whole, like you have that thing where you have to, you have your main people, your customers you're actually selling to, uh, but then there is a tier beyond them that has uh, influence over it sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, so their customers. With HealthSpot, you're selling to like teams, right? Like departments within right. a bigger yep. organization oftentimes. Yep. Uh, so I imagine, yeah, very similar situation. You might get buy-in from the team, but like convincing the higher-ups, like convincing the whoever's doing um, the vendor list and all that kind of stuff. like that Yeah, is- there's the, the, that's even like a little different angle I was thinking of. But yes, there's that too. So there's like, right. So they have to go to their bosses and say, this is why we think HelpSpot's the right choice. Um, yeah. And then also they'll be thinking about their end customers, like, uh, you know, yeah. do, do the okay. knowledge books work the way they want them to work or do the, does it handle email in the way we need the way their customers deal with email or whatever. And yeah, <clears throat> like stuff like that. Um, that's out there kind of as well. So, uh, yeah, there's all these different entry points. Stay tuned to the next episode of bootstrapped FM for the second part of our interview with Brandon Kelly from craft CMS.